Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to listen up and stay with me. It's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education, and it will be done without any manipulation, which means we don't try to con you. We're not trying to solicit money. We're not trying to sell you anything. This show is simply about giving accurate information, information that we pray will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If you're able to do that, you can freely orient and adjust to the plan. That's really up to you, but our job is to get it accurate, to be correct, not to mislead you, not to play with your emotions, not to uh, lead you down some road that is not accurate. And that's why God has given us this opportunity on these radio shows, brief few moments, 25, 30 minutes at the best, to give you this information. You know our show is called the FLOT Line, F-L-O-T. And you know FLOT stands for the Forward Line of Troops, F-L-O-T. You know that is a military analogy. We are using a military analogy to explain how the Christian life works, how God wants you to establish a main line of resistance in your soul so that you can stop the outside sources of adversity before they become the inside source of stress. That's why we've always said adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. So that main line of resistance for you is a flat line, a forward line of troops made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices. This was taught by my pastor many years ago, and uh, he has given me the privilege to, uh, to repeat these doctrines that he taught me. They come out of the Word of God. This is nothing special. This is not some newly discovered information. These are age-old biblical doctrines that have been inscribed in the Word of God since the day it was put into print, and here they are for us. We can live in the devil's world and not be afraid. We can live in the devil's world and not be full of fear, anger, bitterness, resentfulness, guilt. We don't have to be intimidated by death as this is one of Satan's ploys, he loves to do that. There's a better way to live, and it's called simply the Christian life. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, the anointed Son of God, demonstrated that life, how it works, how it operates. When he came to this planet and he became a man, he indwelled a human body, the God-man, undiminished deity and true humanity in one body forever. And he demonstrated how we can follow his example, how we can live like he lived in the devil's world. Now, he never had to confess sin because he who knew no sin, the Bible clearly says, was made sin for us. But our first problem-solving device is always, always called rebound. Rebound is where we bounce back when we bounce out of fellowship when we recover our fellowship with God by naming our sin to God. Remember that the Christian life is a supernatural life, and it cannot operate under the energy of the flesh. 
Thus, it requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible clearly teaches the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit wars against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other. And the Bible clearly teaches in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. We know we were indwelled with the Spirit at salvation, according to Ephesians 1.13, where we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. But the filling of the Spirit and the sealing of the Spirit are different. The filling of the Spirit can be quenched. The filling of the Spirit can be grieved. And this happens when the believer sins. When we use our volition, our decision-making process to commit sin, we break fellowship with God. And we can be restored to fellowship if we will admit the sin. And that's why the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. Now, some people may think they don't sin. And the Bible says in that 1 John passage, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You and I both have a sinful nature. We don't both have the same weaknesses. We do not both have the same patterns, but we have a sin nature. We inherited that sin nature from Adam. That's why we are spiritually dead. The Bible clearly says, for by one man sin came into the world and death by sin. And now death has been passed upon all because all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. The minute you and I were born, Adam's original sin was imputed to us, and we are spiritually dead. But we can be made spiritually alive in Christ when we're born again. When we believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as our Savior, we are no longer spiritually dead. We're spiritually alive. And fellowship with God is dependent upon the unique ministry of God the Holy Spirit to the believer during this dispensation. Also, we have the canon of Scripture, or the Bible. And the Bible is our textbook. The Bible is our tool. The Bible is our guide to how to live this life, the life that we find ourselves in, here in the middle of this arena of contention called planet Earth. You see, if you understand these things, you know, as we go through this time of the year, it can be a terrible time for some people. I live in the state of Alabama, and recently we were up most of the night dodging tornadoes as they came through our area, touching down here and touching down there, wreaking havoc and destruction and loss of life and loss of property. It was a bad night. And not only was it in our state, but all the way across the uh, Midwest from Arkansas to Kansas to Mississippi, terrible. So at some time in your life, things are going to happen. It could cause you or cause me to get into some sort of bitterness or some sort of self-pity over the things that happen. And the question I want to ask you is how would you handle something like this? How would you handle it if your home was blown away in a tornado? Or if all of the money in your bank account was stolen by some identity thief, how would you handle that? Whether it's uh, unfair circumstances, 
extreme circumstances, weather-related. It could be a doctor giving you some bad news. It could be your finances. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. How would you handle it? It could even be war and occupation by foreign forces. Listen to John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace in the world. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You are born into the devil's world. And Job says, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. So how do you deal with that? One day you may wake up and realize that without Christ, you really have no control over your existence. You may realize that you are just a victim of circumstances and you're being washed along in the sea of life and you actually have no destination, no final place to go. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that always prevails. And in Proverbs 16.9, In his heart man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So, what about you? God has a strategy for you, a plan for you, a purpose for you. And that is for you to live and advance in the devil's world. It is a wonderful life with invisible assets that God has given you. You have tremendous assets. Actually, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you receive 40 things the moment you trusted Christ. 40 things we can identify from the Bible. One of those is eternal life. Christ our Lord said it publicly. I've yet given to them eternal life, and they will never perish, and neither shall any man ever pluck them out of my Father's hand. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, another invisible asset, because we could not live in the devil's world. We could not function in the Christian life just under the energy of the flesh. That doesn't do it. The Christian life must be lived in the power of the Holy Spirit because it is a supernatural life. And if there's anything that organized religion is failing in, it's this right here. They do not teach the concept of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Mostly it's ritual without reality and it's meaningless. But somewhere, someday, some pastor must stand up and say, look, I'm glad you're here, but you may be here at the right place in the wrong way. You see, even going to church can be a wrong thing if it's done in the wrong way. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, you're just in the right place, but in the wrong way. Because you cannot metabolize the Word of God. You cannot apply the Word of God without the filling of the Holy Spirit. So you may hear a good sermon and you may not ever cycle it into your soul because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's incredibly uh, principle, you must remember that you must allow the Holy Spirit to direct you. You must take God's Word and learn it. And He has given men that have a gift. The gift is in Ephesians 4. It's called 
In the Greek New Testament, the poimen kai didaskalos. In the English, it's the pastor and teacher. Men who have the gift of pastor-teacher. Men who prepare for a lifetime of service. A lifetime of studying and teaching the Word of God. And not moving from one church to another church to another church to climb the ladder of success to get to the biggest church and make the most money. I mean, if that's the agenda, that's a totally wrong reason to be in the ministry. So Satan's going to use psychological warfare against you. He will seek to make an emotional wreck out of you. He will put things into your life and and test you in ways that you've never even dreamed about. And what you have to be careful about is letting your emotions get out of control. Because when emotions get out of control, they're very dangerous. Now, God gave you a soul. And inside your soul, he gave you a mind. And the concept is that the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2.5. The Bible says in Romans 12.3, stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think. But think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. The Christian life cannot be lived on emotions. Rah-rah sermons and rah-rah speeches are not how you're motivated in the Christian life. Motivation in the Christian life comes from a simple word called love. We love God because he first loved us. The Bible says if we love him, we will obey him, and his mandates are not grievous. So you don't have to have a rah-rah sermon to be motivated to obey God. You just have to love him. But it's impossible to love someone that you don't know. And until you understand God, you can't know how to love him. Until you understand his essence, for example, that he's sovereignty and righteousness and justice, love, eternal life, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, that he's immutable, that he's a veracity. Those are just 10 components of his essence. And each one of those we could talk for hours about. How much do you really know about God? Because you can't love a person you don't know unless it's just an emotional-driven occupation with that thing or that person. So you have to learn about God. And that's why the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So how do we survive in this environment? In this devil's world, well, Paul used an analogy called putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6.11. And he talks about picking up the shield of faith with which we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. In Proverbs 3, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's the shield. Trust, picking up the shield of faith is actually trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean to your own understanding, and in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Did you notice trust with all of your heart, 
Don't hold anything back. That's the key. Lean not to your own understanding. That's human viewpoint thinking. You can't understand the Christian life in terms of human viewpoint thinking. And in all of your ways, everything you do, mentally, physically, socially, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, make him first, and he will direct your path. In other words, God the Father, by means of God the Holy Spirit, will give you a clear path or show you what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go, how he wants you to live. It's called the the um, will of God, the directive will of God. What does God want me to do with my life? And there is a geographical will of God where he wants you to be, and there is a directive will of God. There's even an overruling will of God. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you want to be happy, if you want to have fun, make it in the Lord. The prepositional phrase, in the Lord. Did Jesus Christ ever say anything about being happy? Yeah, he did. He said, happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and keep it. So if you commit your way to the Lord and trust in him also, he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Again, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he, that's God, shall give you the desires of your heart. See, there are things in your life you would like to have, and God may be willing to give them to you, but he will not give them to you until you have the capacity to handle it. If you don't have the capacity to handle it, it'll destroy you. Satan will give you things you can't handle so that they will distract you or destroy you. But the Father is much wiser than that. So he's not going to test you more than you can stand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And that can be with some sort of uh, physical things that you can't handle. So wait on him, and he will give you the desires of your heart if you will just commit your ways to him and trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. Commit your way to him means that you obey the scripture. You stay filled with the Holy Spirit. You use a faith rest drill. You grow every day in the knowledge and grace of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The way you do that is get under the ministry of a qualified pastor, and you listen consistently. And a lot of people do it at home. They do it around the dining room table or around a desk, and they get a cup of coffee or a soda, and they put in a tape. Or they put in a DVD and they get their notebook and their Bible and they listen. That's exactly what I do. I don't live in the city where my pastor teaches, but I get the DVDs and I keep up to date with him. And that's how I study every day with my Bible. Listening to him, feed me. This gives me the ability to feed you, to encourage you. In Psalm 5611, In God, I will put my trust, and I will not be afraid of what man can do to me. That's what faith is, absence of fear, no fear. When you have this harmony with God inside of your soul, 
when you and God are on the same page, then there's no fear. So it takes faith and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Faith can claim a promise from God, and there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. And those promises will do you no good if you don't mix them with faith. So if you go to your Bible and pull out a promise and you believe it, then you can have a relaxed mental attitude and you can control your emotions and not be afraid. So when a tornado is bearing down in your community or when a crisis hits your family, if you go to the scriptures and you stabilize your thinking, you don't let emotions take control of you, then you can handle whatever comes your way. Faith always comes to a biblical conclusion and always gives rest. That's why Moses told the Egyptians at the Red Sea as they were being chased and hounded as the Pharaoh wanted to kill them all. Moses said simply, stand still and watch what God is about to do. That's what faith is, standing still and watching what God can do for you. Without faith rest, I guarantee you, you will have stress in your life. Without faith, you will worry. You will be afraid. And you know what's funny about this stress or this worry? It makes you forgetful. It'll impair your memory. It'll even affect your perception of reality, of what's real and what's not real. And sometimes it can even lead to psychotic states. And so you must use the faith rest drill. You know, people sometimes are very much afraid of certain things. Weather-related storms such as tornadoes and, and hurricanes and snowstorms, people get just afraid. They want to go hide. And you should protect yourself. I'm not saying go stand outside in the middle of a tornado. That's not what I'm saying. But you don't have to ever be afraid because you know that the hand of God is watching over you. And you can listen to people give reports by the hundreds about how God spared them in the middle of an horrible circumstances and how they shouldn't be there, but somehow or another the grace of God spared them. If you orient to that, then your perception of reality will always be that God the Father has this thing under control. In Matthew 8, Jesus took some disciples out in the boat and out across the Sea of Galilee. And you know what? A storm came up, and they thought they were going to die. And yet he had to calm them. And he said, you have no faith. They were convinced from looking at the circumstances they were going to die. And Jesus Christ our Lord calmed the circumstances with one word, peace. Listen. First Samuel chapter 16, chapter 17, you can see David the shepherd boy using the faith rest drill in action. In Exodus 14, 13, as I just told you, Moses said, don't be afraid, stand still and watch God deliver you. So in a helpless situation, in a hopeless situation, God the Father can deliver you based on his power and his grace. Now, if you are not a mature believer, 
If you're not growing in the grace of God, you're not going to be able to handle a crisis. When the crisis comes, you're going to whine. You're going to complain, just like the Jews did in the wilderness when there was no water. And they began to malign Moses and criticize Moses and claim that Moses brought him out in the desert to die. And that wasn't the case at all. Matthew 6.25 says, do not be anxious for your life. Never do you need to be anxious. Here's some principles I want you to understand. One, you will not live any longer by worrying. Two, God's plan for you includes every single moment in your life. Three, to fret, to worry about a problem will not help you. You must think in light of eternity. You must think in light of what is God's will, God's plan. How is God using this in my life? Three, to fret about a problem won't help you. Four, worry will make your life less worth living. Worry will make your life less worth living. Five, you are not enjoying life if you are full of anxiety. That's not enjoying life. Six, you are not enjoying the blessings of God if you're worrying all the time. Seven, worry and capacity for love and life are totally different. You can't have the capacity to enjoy a wonderful life and worry. God has a wonderful plan for you. He wants you to have the capacity to enjoy every minute of it. But worrying, emotional-driven fear will destroy all of that. Now, in Isaiah thirty eighteen, the Lord longs to be gracious to you so that he may have mercy upon you the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are those who love him. What an opportunity we have every day as we live in the devil's world. What an opportunity we have to glorify God to the maximum. But capacity for life, living the life that God has for you, the Christian life, does not include worry and anxiety because there's no capacity for life in those things. You want to have that capacity for life to have happiness in the middle of the most adverse circumstances? Then use the faith rest drill. Use God's word. Stand on it. Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who could be against us? Worry is nothing but a self-centered, emotional-driven fear. Physical deliverance or eternal deliverance. It's up to you, but I would advise you to seek eternal deliverance before you worry about physical deliverance. This is Rick Hughes, host of The Flatline, saying thank you for listening to our show today. And it's my prayer you'll come back next week and join me, same time, same place. Until then, I pray God's richest blessings on you. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, 
Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.